Because <laughs> nowadays everything goes viral. You know, businesses that's their thing. You know, we need to go viral. You know, please hashtag us at this thing. You know, and I, I love watching YouTube videos, and you know, many things go viral on YouTube, and there are a couple of videos yeah. this year that really hooked me because they went viral, and I thought they were just so funny. So I'll show you some of them. So. to follow, right in the middle of the purity laws, he said this, in Leviticus 19 verse 1, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, in the middle of all the do's and don'ts, God is saying, this is not about do's and don'ts. This is about being holy. You know, we need to be holy because if we want to be with God, we need to be holy. We cannot be with God unless we are pure, unless we are holy. You know, I think this is interesting because God, you know, when, when I first read Leviticus, I mean, it took a while because it's just so... For the lack of words, boring. <laughs> Man, well, I, I can't relate. Well, what are all these do's and don'ts about? Again, you know, I, I thought 
God was such a control freak back then. He just wants to control our lives. Then when I read this, you know, it made sense for us to be with God because He wants us so bad that He wants us to be holy. That this is not about controlling our lives. This is about teaching us to be holy. Back in the Old Testament, I need some, I need some, um, the Bible geniuses in the room. Um, where did God dwell? Where did He live back in the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. in, the tent. in the tent, right? In the holy of holy. holies, right? In the temple, in the holy of holies. That's where we find God. And if you're impure, and if you're not ritually cleansed, you're not allowed to go in the temple. And actually, if you're impure, you need to go out of the camp for seven days. If you touch a dead animal or a dead person, you need to go out of the camp. Because God said, man, like you're impure right now. You're unholy. You cannot be in my presence. You're not, you cannot go into the temple if you're unclean. What? Another, another question. Um, what happens to the priest if they go into the Holy of Holies and... <laughs> they're not pure, or they become an impure when they go in. Yeah, they die, right? Some of them get, you know, gets a rope in their legs so that just in case they die, they can yank them out. That's intense. Like you cannot be in the presence of God unless you are holy. And I'm glad that we're not in the Old Testament times anymore, <laughs> because. <clears throat> But turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Here's the game changer, I believe. In Isaiah chapter 6, in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robes filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they cover their faces, with two they cover their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold, <clears throat> thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. <clears throat> then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin your sin atoned for. You know, this is huge. The implications of this story is vast. Now, I do believe that this is the first time, in the Bible at least, that a man who is unholy, who is ritually unclean, went into the temple and come out holy. You know, before they would enter when they're holy. This time, Isaiah go in unclean, 
and he came out cleansed. God is renewing the way he did things from this point on. He's saying, look, you know, before I want you to be holy when you go into the temple, but God here is saying, now the temple cleans people. The temple, you know, the, the holiness from the temple can now go out. Now, this is not the only one in Ezekiel 47. In verse 1, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the <coughs> east from the temple. For the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a, measure, with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was way, that was up to the waist. He measured off a thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was so was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on the, each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large number, numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. You know, it's incredible this imagery that Ezekiel saw. He saw, you know, he, he was in the temple and he saw water trickling out of the temple. Then all of a sudden, it became a stream. You know, it, it was ankle deep and then it became knee deep then it became waist deep, and then it was a full-on river. You know, the, the temple in Israel, from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea, it's all desert. There's nothing living in there. But he saw wherever the water goes, trees and life comes about, came about. You know, literally, life is flowing out of the temple. This is what he's seeing. And then the Dead Sea, which is, you know, rightfully so, Dead Sea, because it's so salty that no living creature, creature can live in it. Instead of the pure water coming out of the temple being impure, it cleansed the Dead Sea that fish and creatures are allowed to live in it again. You know, holiness coming out of the temple. When it used to be you go into the temple holy, now it's going out. Holiness is becoming viral. This is what it's supposed to be. 
Now, does this remind you of anyone? Now, that from the temple, His holiness just comes out. This reminds me of Jesus. Now, he was secure in heaven, just watching everyone, you know, giving out life from there, but that was not enough. You know what? I'm going to come down to earth, to the unholy people, and make them holy again. Now, in John chapter 4, verse 10, it reads, Jesus answered her. This is when he was in a well with a Samaritan woman. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you, asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. There's a living water that's coming out of Jesus. He didn't let his holiness just be his holiness. You know, holiness is meant to be shared. Holiness is, is, meant to be good, is meant to be spread. It's supposed to go viral. And sometimes we think of holiness, we must protect it. We must keep it to ourselves. We must guard it. But here, Jesus shows us that holiness are supposed to be spread out. In Mark chapter 5, let's read this together. I love this passage because it shows how much Jesus really cared about making people holy and him spreading out his life. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21, it reads, When Jesus had again crossed over by a boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was while he, around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will, not, so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You, you, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But when Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some, of, some people came from the house of Jairus and the, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? 
overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then they came to the home of the synagogue leader. Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk, to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Amazing. Now Jesus here is showing that his holiness is spreading out. When, you know, back then, if someone is bleeding and they touch you, you become unclean. Now you have to go through all this ritual cleansing of, you know, washing your hands, flowing, all that stuff. You know, you, know, you need to take several days to be cleansed. But with Jesus, instead of making him unclean, it healed the woman. Because that's what holiness <laughs> does you know when he touched the dead girl instead of making him unclean it brought her back to life that's what holiness does you know holiness in Jesus asserts power on the dead on the impure because of Jesus holiness he was able to cure the bleeding woman. He was able to bring back to life the dead girl. You know, those people that he healed, you know, he healed many people, the lepers, the blind, the lame, the mute. Those were the outcasts of their society. And yet, Jesus shared his life and holiness to them because he understands that it's not supposed to be encased it's not supposed to be put in a box. It's supposed to spread out. Holiness is supposed to spread out. You know, Jesus giving his heart to the people meant that he will share his holiness. You know, sharing his heart to them. You know, but that's not all what holiness is supposed to do. You know, it's not just restricted to Jesus sharing it. You know, about four years ago, a friend of mine, a friend of mine was, was told by his boss, okay, um, you can take some of your friends to my lake house. He's a financial advisor and his boss owns the financial advising company, so he was balling. He has this massive mansion by the lake and he has a couple of boats and three jet skis and he said, you know what, you can spend the weekend at my lake house and I will fill all the jet skis with petrol and you know, all you gotta do is bring food and make sure the, the mansion is tidied up when you leave. So we're like, oh that's awesome! And you know, he has this dock about 12 foot 
high from, from the water surface. And we were jumping, we were flip, flipping over, even though I'm really scared of heights. <laughs> but it was just so fun. We we're having a blast. And we had a friend, his name is Quinshawn. And you know, he finally summoned up the courage to jump over. And we knew he was not a, a strong swimmer. So we, you know, he jumped over and a friend of mine called AJ, we pretended that, you know, oh, Quinshawn, don't jump, we'll save you. So we jumped after him and we pretended we saved him. You know, we swam him to the, to the beach. It's like, you're okay, we saved you. And the funny thing is, after we got there, he, he told me, actually, I'm really glad that you guys jumped after me because I actually could not swim enough. <laughs> You're, like, you're pretending to save me, but you actually saved me. <laughs> it, it's funny because I, I just saved a friend of mine accidentally by joking around and saving him. You know, neither of us knew that we were saving him. But some people are like that spiritually. You know, they don't know that they need saving until it actually happens. And some people are oblivious enough that in, in the pit of them drowning, they still don't know that they need saving. And we need to jump after them to save them. Because that's what holiness calls us to do. In John chapter 7, in verse 37, it reads, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. But up to that point, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. It says here that living water should flow out of us. That just like how the temple was, where you know, the living water flows out of it and life sprout out, and the dead sea became alive. That's how we're supposed to be. You know, life is supposed to come out of us. Holiness is supposed to come out of us and infect everyone we encounter. Our holiness is supposed to spread out. In Ephesians chapter chapter 2 and verse 19 it says consequently you're no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone <coughs> in him the whole building is joined together and raises to to become holy to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become the dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. You know, we are God's temple. Just like the temple that, I, that Ezekiel saw, holiness is supposed to overflow from within us. You know, so when I think of holiness, not only that it needs to be guarded, and cared for and protected, it also needs to, to be spread out. You know, right now, everyone wants to go viral. We need our holiness to go viral. 
Our neighbors are dying spiritually. Our colleagues are dying spiritually. Even some of our family members are dying spiritually. But if we share our holiness with them, they could taste back life. They could be brought back to life. You know, sometimes we want to protect it so much that we don't want to share it. But holiness is meant to be shared. So church, I want to encourage you today. You know, let's go viral with our holiness. Let's spread out our holiness and spread life to everyone we encounter. Thank you so much for listening. I think that's it. Amen. Amen.